Um, we, uh, man, we're so glad you're here this morning. Um, if, uh, if you haven't already heard, uh, you probably have, but uh, if you haven't, um, we announced uh, Tuesday of this week, uh, we uh, secured the loan uh, that refinanced our mortgage and secured uh, the construction loan as a part of that uh, to move forward with the building of the building, building onto our building, which is just absolutely, unbelievably fantastic. So, yes. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, if you, if you don't know what's going on with that, we can. I'm glad to share about it. I, I won't take time right now because we've got a bunch of things to run through here. But uh, anyway, just, uh, just fantastic news. Uh, in fact, uh, to kind of go along with that, uh, the church... Uh, church turns 15 uh, on January 2nd uh, is the is the 15th anniversary of our first service, uh, and so we're gonna on uh, the first Sunday in January we're gonna we're gonna have a 15th anniversary celebration. Uh, I, I'm just gonna say we're gonna throw a party. How about that? Uh, and, uh, and so uh, we're gonna throw a party uh, that basically partying around the fact of like we can't believe we made it. Uh, to hear <laughs> kind of party, uh, but uh, anyway, uh, as a part of that day, also we will have a groundbreaking ceremony, uh, and then uh, that uh, following uh, week is when uh, we are expecting them to actually start the construction. So uh, that's all coming at us like right right after Christmas, right after New Year's. So uh, pretty pretty exciting stuff. And uh, if uh, if it hadn't been for the holidays, we'd probably start sooner, but. Uh, uh, our, our builder and, and his crew take, take time off with their families and that kind of thing, and they, they agreed that, you know, it probably just wasn't wise to try to start something before that when he's trying to take care of his people, and we can appreciate that. So, uh, but uh, anyway, uh, that's, that's going on, some exciting stuff. Uh, we had uh, a fantastic staff retreat uh, this week where we spent a lot of time praying and talking through uh, a lot of things, planning ahead on several things, and, and you'll be hearing uh, a lot about pieces of that as, as little things are being rolled out and and uh, and just even in how we lead in some different ways that uh, hopefully will be uh, uh, good for our whole church and good for uh, our people and um, the whole thing. Uh, by the way, I take no responsibility for whatever the heat and air does in here today. Apparently, uh, the, these things are now like online and like on the internet and this one has gone rogue today. And uh, I actually, I was actually cold on stage in the last service, and I don't think I've ever been cold on stage uh, in a service in my life. So uh, I, I knew it, I didn't say anything in that first service because I thought these people are going to start bailing out on me if I start calling it out for what it is. But uh, I thought, I thought, man, if I'm cold up here, there's some people out there that are freezing. So, uh, but uh, anyway. Uh, but uh, yeah, so uh, just I just want to say thank you for those of you that were praying for us this week while we were going on staff retreat. Thank you so much. Uh, still feel free to pray for us. Lord knows we need it. Uh, if you have not met our staff, you would understand uh, why if you have. Uh, and, uh, you know, but uh, what, what, uh, what an awesome thing that God has done uh, in bringing us together uh, to get to do this together. Uh, pretty, pretty cool stuff. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, in other things going on, I think it's just worth mentioning is uh, man, we just we've got a lot of a lot of hurting people in our community right now. Some even in our church going through things. Uh, some of those things are not public or whatever. But uh, I, I just bring that up to say, if this is if if you're if you're a part of this church, uh, pray for our church. When I say pray for our church, I don't mean the entity. I'm talking about the people. The people are the church. Uh, pray pray for our church. Pray for our people. Um, that uh, that God would bring them through uh, things that they're going through. And maybe maybe you're one of those people right now. Uh, but I, I just encourage you, you know, and I had this thought, you know, as, as I see God really ramping up to do uh, even new things in the days to come through our church, uh, in our church's life, um, that, you know, Satan's going to attack. I mean, he, he attacks when we bear fruit. I mean, that's, that's the only time that he really uh, gives a rip about, you know, trying to come after us, and, and I'm seeing some of that. Uh, on top of that, in our community, we've just got, we've got some hurting folks, and uh, we lost a deputy on Friday. Uh, here in Cheatham County, uh, and that, that hit home for a whole lot of people. And um, I have the absolute blessing uh, and pleasure to get to, to minister to our fire department here. And, uh, and they very rarely call me in, and they, 
they called me in as they were returning from that scene. Of course, they knew him well and worked with him uh, a lot and uh, <coughs> just hits home uh, when, it's, uh, when it's somebody you know and you work with and all those things. And so, uh, you know, just, uh, just keep those pe- folks in prayer. One of, our, uh, one of our detectives who goes to church here, he was here in the first service and we prayed together even before uh, the service today as he's going to be going and a part of uh, the funeral services that are, uh, I believe, today uh, and things. So just, just keep those, keep, keep all those guys, keep all those folks in your prayers. Uh, as I know, this is a hard time for them. And if you know any of them, reach, reach out to them. Let them know that you care about them and, and that you appreciate them. So, uh, but anyway, uh, man, I'm so glad that you're here today. And uh, and we're we're gonna jump back into the book of Jonah <clears throat> and finish up Jonah today, Jonah chapter four. If uh, if you've been with us for the last several weeks, we've been walking through the book of Jonah. And uh, excited about Jonah, love Jonah, <clears throat> and uh, this uh, this passage uh, today builds on the passages of the past. In fact, if you don't, if you if you got your Bible and get it out, if you don't have uh, a Bible, our ushers can bring you a Bible. Uh, just throw your hand up and let them know that you need one. But Jonah chapter four is where we're going today. And if uh, if you don't have a Bible and uh, you uh, don't own one and you want to keep that one, uh, we would love for you to be able to take that with you and consider it a gift. Uh, you know, just just take it with you. You know, we'd be glad for you to, to have it. I'm fighting some kind of crud, by the way, so <clears throat> we'll see if we can make it through this, and hopefully we can. If not, you can uh, go eat uh, Mexican early. Maybe maybe you can beat the Methodists over there or something. So I don't know why it's always easy to pick on the Methodists, but it seems, it seems to be my go-to, doesn't it? So tell Pastor Paul that uh, I've been picking on him over here. Um, Jonah chapter 4. So uh, to kind of, I, I believe to, to, to even talk about Jonah chapter 4, we got to kind of talk about what's happened so far in Jonah and what's going on here. And so uh, leading up to chapter 4 in the book of Jonah, um, we have uh, this, this, this guy who's a prophet who God calls to go tell a people about uh, him and, 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 and really that, that they're erring in their ways, more specifically. And so uh, with Jonah, in the very first part of Jonah, Jonah chapter 1, you have this story of this guy, Jonah, who's being called by God, and he says to Jonah, go to this great city, the city of Nineveh, and tell them of their wrongdoings that they, you know, might turn, you know, or whatever, and basically just tell them that in 40 days, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to burn that thing down, you know, for lack of better terms. I'm, 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 I'm coming out, I'm coming after them, and, and you know, you're all going to die, you know, basically. And, and, and to give, man, to give, and I didn't do this in the first service, but to give, there's some history, a lot of history, and Nathan touched on it last week. But the people of Nineveh, I mean, the Ninevites were like, I mean, they were awful. I mean, he mentioned last week that they were kind of like the Nazis. I mean, like awful, awful, like killing people, like leaving bodies in piles. I mean, just awful, 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 awful stuff going on. And so this is why God was like, all right, enough. You know, I'm going to send my boy Jonah. He's going to tell him, you know, I'm, you know, in 40 days, you guys are going to get it. And so Jonah, Jonah uh, hears this call, understands it clearly, and then he does the exact opposite. He runs away. Jonah runs, gets on a boat with a bunch of guys he wasn't supposed to be with, going in the opposite direction of where he was supposed to be going. And basically, it's just like, I'm taking off. I don't want anything to do with what you're calling me to do. And he rolls. So Jonah basically is like on the run from God and attempting to hide from God, and that always works out really well for everybody. And, uh, and so Jonah does this, and then in the middle of doing this, uh, God's like, oh yeah, you're going to play a little hide-and-go-seek? Let's see this. I'll, I'll throw a storm on the water. And so he hurls a storm into the water, and then as he does, the boat's about to you know, capsize, and everybody's dying, you know, about to die, and thinking that they're all going to die, and all this kind of stuff. And then they finally figure out that Jonah's the one that's the reason why this is going on. And so then Jonah finally tells him, look, you guys are going to have to throw me overboard. God's upset with me. Well, here's the funny thing about this situation. Jonah's gone where he's not supposed to go. But then God uses this moment. And God has such an amazing, uncanny ability of doing this where he can take those moments when we disobey him and redeem those moments for his kingdom. And that's exactly what, what God does in this moment. God has all these guys on this boat with Jonah, and 
of course, God knew this was going to happen. And, and as this does, as this does happen, all these guys that were on this boat, if you go back and look in chapter one, these guys are all like calling out to their gods, okay? And so they've got their gods, you know, calling out, you know, save us, you know, whatever we can do kind of thing. And then they figure out that it's Jonah's God, the God, who is the creator of all things and the Lord over the seas and all in the land and the air and all of these things. And they come to a true fear of the Lord, the Lord, the God, our God, the creator of all things. Now, Jonah says that he fears God, but the truth is, is he proves otherwise in how he acts. In fact, even when he's in the belly of the fish and he prays to God, he prays to God saying that he fears. He, he says to these guys on the boat, you know, I fear the God of all creation and all this kind of stuff. Kind of thing. And so Jonah basically tells these guys, Look, you're going to have to throw me in the water. You've got to throw me overboard and get rid of me, put me in the sea, and then this will all go away. They don't want to do this, but given enough time of trying to fix it themselves, which is great, a great example of what we do, uh, given enough time of them trying to fix the situation on their own, they finally realize we're going to have to throw Jonah in the sea. And when they do, they worship God. They worship and make sacrifices to the God, Yahweh himself. And, and so, you know, you've got, you've got this, amazing, this amazing moment where God uses this moment where Jonah turns his back on God, but then God uses that moment to bring all of these guys on this ship to him. It wasn't the mission that God had given Jonah, but God redeemed it. Redeemed it in such a way that there would be a whole group of people who would come to know who he was. Jonah gets thrown into the sea. He is swallowed by the fish. And big famous story that we all know, he's in the fish three days and three nights. While he's in the fish, Jonah cries out in prayer, God, I'm so sorry. You're the most gracious God. I fear you. All of these things, all of these things that honestly I think that Jonah thought that God wanted to hear. Uh, was he scared for his life? Absolutely. Did he mean it? Probably, at least in that moment. But I think for a lot of us, we find ourselves in these moments in life where we're like, oh God, God, if you, if you just get me out of this situation right now, I'll, you know, I'll do whatever I got to do. I'll, I'll be your boy. I, you know, I'll, I won't, I won't do that anymore. And I'll be real good. You know, and all this, you know, all this kind of thing. And Jonah had cried out in prayer, and so God had mercy on Jonah, and He sent the fish to vomit Jonah up. It says in Scripture. And so then Jonah has been given yet again this charge, go to Nineveh, tell the people, turn from your wicked ways, and if not in 40 days, you know, they're going to get theirs. So Jonah goes to Nineveh, chapter 3, tells the people of their wicked ways, only if you have paid real close attention, and Nathan preached through chapter 3 last week for us, if you pay real close attention to where Jonah does, does this, when he goes to the Ninevites in chapter 3, he doesn't go to them with much grace, okay? Uh, in fact, Jonah goes with a bit of an attitude. In fact, the attitude that he's had from the beginning is still kind of lingering around. And we can call it attitude, but the truth is, is we probably ought to call it heart. His heart was still not in the right place. Now, he was doing the work, and, 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 and we can identify with this, like many of us over time have been in situations where we've been called to do something for the Lord in some type of ministry or whatever it is, and, and it's like we're going to do it, but like our hearts are in the wrong place, right? We're like Jonah. And, and Jonah, Jonah's heart was in the wrong place. In fact, when he goes to the Ninevites, basically all he says to them, he's like, hey guys, I'm here to tell you in 40 days, you're all going to die. Peace out. I mean, that's, that's basically, in a nutshell, what Jonah does. I mean, no grace, no like, hey, hey guys, uh, listen, I, I, 
listen, I care about you guys. And I want you to know something like God cares about you too. And like, seriously, like you guys, like you've been doing some real bad stuff. And like, it's coming to catch up with you. And and you really are in like 40 days, you're probably going to die unless you, you know, just blah, 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 blah. You know, Jonah doesn't do anything like that. He's like, no grace, 40 days, you're all done. God's going to drop a bomb on this place. And that was pretty much the plan. Well, the Ninevites hear Jonah and they repent. They repent. And, and you would, th- I, mean, you, I mean, I'm thinking like, man, if, that's, if God calls me and I'm in ministry, God calls me you know, to go and tell a people group about who he is and they need to turn from the wicked ways or they're going to die or you know, whatever. That, you know, if, when they repent, I'm thinking like, me, I'm thinking like, man, woo, you know, let's throw a party and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Like, this is amazing. This is awesome, you know. How, how incredible is this? Jonah, not so much. He's still got this chip. His heart's still in the wrong place. And that's where we pick up in Jonah chapter 4. Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. This chapter's not very long. But in Jonah chapter 4 and verse 1, we see Jonah angry. Jonah chapter 4, verse 1, it says this. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. (laughs) What displeased Jonah exceedingly? Uh, The fact that God had mercy on the Ninevites. Okay, let's make that clear. And he is angry. Verse 2, and he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord. And so here, here we've got Jonah praying again, okay? We've, got Jonah, we've already had Jonah praying. He prayed in the fish. Remember that? Now we've got him praying again. Here he says, Oh, Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? In my country, he says, okay? There's, there's a distinction there. And we'll talk about that in just a second. That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Talk about this for a minute. Jonah is mad that God had mercy on the Ninevites. I mean, you know, that, and, and, you know, and I know it's, it's real easy for us to read this. And man, like, it's real easy for us to read this and go, man, I'll, I'll cast my judgment on Jonah right now. Jonah's an idiot, okay? Like, you know, there's my judgment on Jonah. I'm casting it, like, you know, real quick. I mean, it's real easy for us to say that and go, you know, I, would, I could never feel that way or be that way or whatever. And the truth is, is that this shows us something about us, ourselves, that we struggle with. You know, you know how we struggle with these similar types of things? That we struggle with seeing God bless someone else sometimes. You know, that we, we see, we, we struggle with, with seeing God take care of somebody and we go, well, well God, what about, what about me over here, you know? The truth is, is Jonah's heart was just in a really bad place. I mean, his heart was not for the mission of God, his heart was for his mission. He's a human being. He's a sinner. And, and, and his, his heart was all about like what Jonah wanted. You, you notice what Jonah said there about, about back when I was in my country, right? You remember, you remember that? Saw that just a second ago. I mean, straight up, Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because he didn't like them. He didn't like them. I believe we call that racism these days. Jonah didn't like this people group. He was racist toward them. He did not want to be with them. He did not want to go there. And so when he finally agreed to go there, there was something about Jonah that, if truth be told, if we could get Jonah on the stand today and get him to tell it all, I think that we would have Jonah probably saying, uh, well, yeah, just to be honest, in that moment, if I'm being honest, I kind of wanted to see God just blow them up because they were awful people. 
And Jonah would probably begin to make his argument in his case about how they're an awful people and, you know, how awful they were. And they were killing all these people and doing all these horrible things. And I mean, and it was. They were awful people. But they repented. They turned. They turned from their ways. They heard Jonah. Even, even though his speech stunk, they heard Jonah and they, and they heard what God was saying and that they better turn or they're going to die. And God had mercy on them and instead of destroying them, He gives them a second chance. It's kind of funny, isn't it? Jonah would be upset with someone getting a second chance. And Jonah says, well, I'm not surprised. This is what I knew would happen when I was in my country. That's why I didn't want to go. It was because I knew, I, knew you were, I knew you were a merciful God. I knew you don't like destroying people. I knew, I knew you'd probably have mercy on these people once I got here. And here we are. Well, I might as well die. He says, therefore now, please take my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, and I love this, by the way. The Lord said, do you do well to be angry? <laughs> and I think, man, there's days in my life that I need, I need God to like just show up, just audibly say that to me. Like, do you do well to be angry? Like I want, and I want him to say it with a smirk. I mean, I'll probably be mad at him when he says it to me at the moment, right? You know, but if, if he could maybe, and, and maybe, maybe we just need to start saying that to each other when we see each other angry. I'm going to start posting that on people's Facebook things when they're, when they're ranting about something, you know, maybe. Be like, do you do well to be angry? <sighs> and, and Jonah's like, yeah. I mean, he's so, he's so angry. He's so angry. Verse 5, let's keep going. Verse 5, it says, Jonah went out of the city and sat down, sat to the east of the city to make a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. So he's still hoping. He's still hoping God's going like, to have second thoughts and go, well, okay, boom, you know. But that's not happening. And it says, he sat under in the shade till he could see uh, what would become of the city. Verse 6, now the Lord God appointed a plant. Now this appointing thing, this happens four times in the book of Jonah. The first time is God appoints the fish, okay? So we see that. And then here, he appoints a plant. Verse 6, now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. Now, to kind of give a little, you know, thought of like where he's at, I mean, we're talking Middle East here, okay? And some of you have been there, some of you have, been, have fought, you know, for our country there, and, and you guys could, could way more share about this than I can. Uh, but, you know, so, you know, in this situation, we're talking about that kind of a terrain and that kind of an area. And so this plant not something that was just everywhere, you know, to give shade. Jonah's extremely grateful. It says, Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. And that, that kind of contradicts his feelings in verse 1 where Jonah was displeased exceedingly and was angry, you know. So, but we've got this same, we've got this same adjective being used here. It says, so Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant, this plant that God created literally overnight to give Jonah shade. So he, 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 even in the midst of this moment where Jonah is mad at God, God still does something for him here. You see that? And man, that's so, that's so us. Still does something for Jonah here. And it says in verse 7, but when dawn came up the next day, God appointed, third time, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, 
God appointed, fourth time, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. Have you ever had one of those moments that you're just angry at God? People think it's not okay to talk about stuff like that. Sometimes with pastors, it's kind of funny. Because like sometimes they'll start talking about something like that, and then they'll kind of like stop themselves. And I'm like, no, 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 come on. Let's, let's keep it going. Like, what, where's, where's this going? And I've had those moments in my life. I, I, I vividly remember. I vividly remember a day that I was so angry at God. And this was a long time ago, and I was a youth pastor. and I'll never forget, you know, I was so angry about the circumstances of what were going on in my life at that moment. I'll never forget I was on a retreat. And we'd rented this place to go, and uh, the kids were at dinner. All, all the students were at dinner, and they were eating. And so I had gone to where we were having our worship assembly times and stuff and, uh, and was just kind of setting some stuff up or whatever. <clears throat> and I'll never forget, you know, I kind of, I'd started out just kind of praying. I was praying for, you know, that evening we were going to be having worship after dinner and that kind of thing together. And I was just praying, God, you know, move in the, in the hearts of these students. If any of them don't know you, God, I pray, Lord, that you would save them. Um, God, just, just be glorified in all of this. And then in, and in somewhere I switched. I, I, I threw a switch where I started just kind of praying uh, about what I was going through. And, it, and it, ended, it ended in this, like, moment where I literally, of course, no, nobody was in this room. So uh, I haven't done that in here, I don't think. Uh, so if you ever, like, come in here and I'm, like, shouting at God or something. That's basically what I was doing. I was like, I was like, I was like screaming at God, like pointing and shaking my fist and all this stuff. And I was mad. I was like, God, why are you making me go through this? This stinks. This is terrible. Like, you don't have to make me go through this. I'm here. I'm I'm doing this. I'm doing this for you. It's all for you, you know, and yada, yada, yada. And then and then like finally I like shut up. <laughs> I felt like God just said. You done now? With all of what you've done for me? And and I'll just be honest, I just conviction came over me like crazy where I just I realized that I was allowing my circumstances in life to dictate whether or not I was gonna be happy. Or acting like they should dictate whether or not I'm faithful to God in ministry in which he's called me to. And the truth is, is we all do that. We, we, every one of us struggles with that. We all struggle with that. I mean, every one of us struggle with like, you know, well, if things are good, then they're good, right? But if things are bad, well, I'm worthless. Okay. What's that doing for us? Jo- Jonah, Jonah's upset Because God showed mercy to a people group that he called him to go to. Why is he so upset? Jonah couldn't get over the fact that God would show mercy to someone else. And he couldn't see right in front of him what God had done for him. And so he tells him what he did for him. In verse 9 it says this, But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? (laughs) And he says, yes, I do. I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I, God, not pity Nineveh, that, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from the left and also much cattle. He's like, God's like, oh, 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 you're, ang- you're angry now about the plant. Well, you were angry before about Nineveh. Now we're angry about the plant being gone. He's like, so... So you're angry about this plant. You pity this plant, the loss of this plant. 
more than you pity the loss of 120,000 people in this great city? You see, God appointed. He appointed those things, right? He appointed the fish. He appointed the plant. He appointed the worm. You got to like that one, right? And then he appointed the hot wind and the sun to kind of beat him down there. Make him realize how good he had it there for a moment, right? Sometimes you don't know what you had until it's gone, right? There's a song about that. So, in this moment, God's trying to teach Jonah something. And a lot of people, a lot of people struggle with how Jonah ends. Like, that's the end. <laughs> the, the end is God asking the question to Jonah, and, uh, you know, you're, we're not going to pity Nineveh, that great city and the 120,000 people in the cattle. I mean, you know, but we're going to pity the plant? Question mark, end, mic drop. That's the end of Jonah. And I, and I, think, it's, I think, honestly, I think it's a great ending to Jonah. Because the question is not just for Jonah, the question is for us. And the realization is this. God often calls us to people that we don't like. God often calls us to people who are not like us. That don't look like us. That don't live in houses like us. God often calls us to people that drive us absolutely insane. And God's over here going, so situational right now, not sure if everything's got you nice and happy, but I'm still calling you to a people and to a mission that is for my glory and for, the, and for my kingdom. And the, and the truth is, 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 is we've, we've got to get to a place where we're okay with like, okay, God, well, you can use me whether or not the situation around me is fantastic right now or not. Because like the mission stays the same. And the purpose of our life is to give God glory. And, and, and that's not based upon whether things are great or not, what we think is good or not, whether or not we got nice plants. I mean, here, here's the thing. God appointed the plant and then took it away because He wanted Jonah to understand that this life is not about the plants. It's about the people. And... You know, if he'd left the plant, well then Jonah's affection would be all about a dumb plant. And God's like, look, I want your affection. I want you to love me. I want you to care about what I care about. I want you to care about the people I care about. Can you do that? Can you love me more than a plant? And the truth is, is we've got all kinds of different plants today. We make all kinds of things, those things in our life that's called an idol, an idolatry. And it's that, oh, if only this could happen, or if only I had that, or, you know, I mean, we know that. God's saying, don't fall into that. I'm good. I've got everything you need. My, all joy, truthfully, is found in Jesus. Like, we know that. For those of us that know Jesus, we know that to be true. But yet, we go out here, and, and we're, we're seeking that joy in 15,000 other different things. I, man, I've I got to be honest. There have been days in the past that I have loved stuff too much. I, I, feel like, I feel like I'm in a much better place in my life with that these days where it's just kind of like, yeah, you know, it's cool to get to have stuff or whatever. And I got plenty of junk, a lot of it due to my side business or stuff that I've had for a long time of cars or whatever. You know, case in point, I've been, I've been tinkering with this truck that I've had forever. I don't know how long I've owned it, 10, 12 years or something. And, and the truck to most people is not worth five cents. And that's fine. I don't really care. But I, I just, it's my old truck, and I love my old truck. And I've always wanted to get this one bumper that you could get for these, for these trucks. They're kind of hard to find. Sounds silly. But I found one, 
and was all excited about it, getting it this week. And yesterday on the way to the fire, or Friday on the way to the fire department to like get there in a hurry, I'm barreling down old Clarksville Highway, and I'm in that truck. And I'm, you know, I'm proud of it. One headlight's not working. The paint's all falling off of it. And I'm, and I'm proud. I'm proud to be barreling down old Clarksville Highway in this thing. You know, and it's roaring, you know. And up walks a buck. <laughs> and, and, and boy, is he pretty, too. I mean, he's a good-looking deer. And I thought to myself, like, there, there was, like, literally, like, a split-second moment where I feel like, it lasted 10 seconds where I really got to like see the beauty of this deer standing right in front of my truck like my truck was standing still. And I still, I still see I could draw this buck for you. I'm going to say it's probably about an eight, probably at least an eight point. It was a nice buck, you know. And, and he walked up right in front of me and his head kept looking that way. And I thought to myself, are you not even going to look at me? Like, we're right here. And in that fleeting moment, it's amazing how, my, how fast your mind can work. I'm thinking about like, you know, oh, you know, this is, you know, I, here's this buck. And I was like, um, I can't dodge this thing. It's right there in front of my truck. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to either run it over or it's going to run me over or destroy my truck. I don't know what's going to happen. And so in that split second, I mean, just boom. And buck is gone. And I realized that my one headlight no longer works. And it's starting to get dark. And, I'm, and, and I, have, I have all these thoughts. I think of Nathan Loxley and how he'd really want this deer. And do I call him and tell him where it's at? I mean, I'm serious. Like, I, all, all of these fleeting thoughts. I thought about, you know, one of, the other, one of our other friends I grew up with. Like, he recently here in Cheatham County hit a deer. And then he, like, got out and, like, took pictures with it, holding its antlers and stuff, you know. And I was like, he's going to be really disappointed that I don't, not, I'm not stopping, you know. And, but I'm thinking about, you know, I've got to get to this emergency situation or whatever. And so, I mean, I literally, I never let out of it. I just kept going. And the truck didn't die, and I was like, well, thank you, Ford. Let's just keep, let's just keep going. And so I just kept going, and I turned on my flashers. I was like, at least in the dark, maybe, maybe people won't run over me with my flashers. Hopefully there's no more deer. It's funny how, you know, we can, I, I, feel, I feel like God's done this every time that I, like, start to like really like like something, you know, and I don't think I've liked my truck too much or anything, but I, I have in the past liked other things too much. And it's like as soon as I get it, there's always something that happens. It gets a nice big scratch or somebody backs into it or, you know, wh- whatever it is, you know. And it's like God's way of, of like reining me in every time and going, Chris, I'm over here. Love me. Don't love the stuff. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Have fun with it. But don't love it too much. God calls us to love people at times that are not like us. Jesus used an illustration about this. And it is often at times tied to the book of Jonah. Uh, maybe even believed to be partly an illustration that Jesus used out of the story of Jonah. But oddly enough, it comes from when a lawyer asks Jesus about what exactly is a neighbor. And, and that's coming from this conversation in which Jesus and this lawyer are talking about what it looks like to you know, inherit eternal life. In fact, I'll just read it with you. It's out of Luke 10, verse 25. And it says this, it says, Behold, a lawyer stood up, And put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Of course, the truth is is we can't fulfill that. Like, we're sinners, and we're going to miss it somewhere, which is why we need Jesus, and we know that. We're grateful for that, understanding that that God sent His Son, Jesus, to die on the cross to take the death that we deserve, that we might have life. Like, He took our punishment on our behalf, that we might be able to believe in Him and He be our Lord, and we have life. But the lawyer doesn't stop, because lawyers love to ask questions. And in verse 29, he asks another question. He says, but He, 
desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? He wants a clarifying question to be answered. Who is my neighbor? And how, how, how important is that question for us today? Who is my neighbor? How did Jesus answer that question? He answered that question with this parable. Are you ready for it? Most of you will be familiar with it. And he says in verse 30, Jesus replied, A man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him pass, passed by, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. And then verse 33, But a Samaritan, a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to the inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? In verse 37 it says this, He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. You see, Jesus was being very specific. He gave us people groups in that parable. He didn't just tell us a nice little story about three people that came along and two people didn't help and one did. No, no, no. He got specific. You know why Jesus got specific? He got specific because he wanted him to understand that oftentimes it's people not like us that we get called to minister to or in this situation ministered by. I think for us to see Jesus' attack on racism here is pretty strong. We've got Jesus not just using a Jew, but he uses a priest and says, you know, here's a priest. He didn't stop. Here's a Levite. He didn't stop. We're okay with those first two groups, right? Those guys, those guys, this guy, this lawyer, he's okay with those two groups. Those people are kind of like him. Then he gets to the Samaritan. Oh, no. Here comes a Samaritan. Oh, my gosh, they're the worst. They're the worst of people. They didn't, they didn't like Samaritans at all. Samaritans were looked down on. They were a mixed race. I mean, there's so many things. I mean, like economically, they were, you know, I mean, just all of the things that you could be racist about, that's, that's, where, that's where that lands. And then Jesus doesn't just tell the story. He actually uses it to help us to see what it actually looks like to be a neighbor. What's it look like to be a neighbor? That guy didn't just help him. He didn't just go over there and just, hey, you okay? You all right? You all right there? You need a little something? Here's a little water. Get you a little bit of some of that, you know? That'll help. All right, buddy, well, I'm on my way. I'm busy. No. He gets him up. He tends to his wounds. He puts him on his animal. And then he takes him to an inn. He pays for him to have a place. And then on top of all that, he tells the innkeeper, hey, just keep me a tab running, if you will. I'll take care of this guy when I get back. I'll take care of that when I get back. Yeah, I mean, at that point in time, an, an innkeeper would have been one of like the greatest shysters known. To be. I mean, they were like people that were like looking to take advantage of people coming through all the time. Oh, well, you know, well, we only have one room left tonight when they still got like five, you know. And man, that room's like hits triple the price as normal and, you know, so on and so forth. And he looks at this guy and is like, hey, just get me a tab. I'll pay you when I get back. Jesus is painting a picture of what it looks like to be that neighbor for those people 
that he's called to. And at the end of the day, the issue that Jonah had was Jonah didn't want to go to that people. He didn't like them because they weren't people from his country. Keller said this, Tim Keller. He said, Jonah went outside the city that spared his life to condemn it. Jesus was dragged outside the city weeping for it and died for its salvation, not its condemnation. I'll read that again. Jonah went outside the city that spared his life to condemn it. He went out there, he went outside of the city to see it all just burn to the ground. Jesus was dragged outside the city weeping for the city and died for its salvation, not its condemnation. What Jesus has done for us, He has called for us to do for others. To love them. To go. To care for them. To be neighbors. Real neighbors. Real neighbors let each other in their houses, don't they? They care for each other. They want to be there for each other. And you see this talk of this great city and God's heart for this great city. Even God understands the whole premise behind, you know, that if you can affect change in a city, then that permeates out into other regions and into other things. I mean, it's just, it's just a known thing. It's an understanding thing. We understand that. We get that. We live close to a big city. And this isn't a big city, but we live in a city here. Same thing. Jeremiah 29 talks to this. Helps us to understand that our calling as believers is is that we, as citizens of the city of God, that we as citizens of the city of God should be great citizens within the cities in which He's called us to. In other words, that the cities that we live in now should be better places because we are there. He gets way in depth into that calling of, you know, that you move there and that you build houses there and that you grow families there and that they marry off into other, other families there and, and, and you're affecting gospel change for the kingdom of God and that we would see that as our mission. That's being good neighbors. That the places that we are would be better because we are there. That's why we can't just hold church services, people. You get that, right? That's why we can't just hold church services. That's why we can't be about the buildings more than we are about the people that are out there that we feel called to minister to. Whether they look like us or not. Whether their issues are like ours or not. We can't ignore our community. If we have, we've ignored our mission. And our mission is that we would go and do likewise that we would go, that we would care, that we would love, that we would take the gospel, that they might come to know Jesus as we have come to know Jesus, that their lives might be changed. We had just again this week yet another person come to know the Lord this week because of one of the men in our church who cares for people, and I'm talking about somebody who's about as busy as you could be, is known widely for the profession that he is in as being the best at what he does. But the thing that I love about him the most is that everybody that knows him knows that he loves Jesus. He called me. I got to be a fly on the wall on a phone call on Thursday about lunchtime this week to hear a young man with special needs pray to receive Jesus as his Savior. I mean... The angels were shouting. I mean, all, all of the things I could just tell. And I just thought to myself later, how many people would see somebody like that and go, I don't have time for a conversation with somebody like that. I'm too busy. 
And we've gotten to the point where we are too busy. We're too busy to help our neighbors. We're too busy to have conversations that lead to getting to share about Jesus and seeing God do an amazing work. People, people that claim to be entrepreneurs are not entrepreneurs if they're so busy that they can't walk away from business to do the things for the kingdom of God. No, we're not entrepreneurs if we do that. We're control freaks. God's calling us to something so much greater. It's His kingdom, not ours. And that's just it. Man, it's so hard for us to see that on the daily. I'm there with you. I'm preaching to me. Like We've got to be able to see through that stuff and see the opportunities. And, and listen, the guy from our church that was a part of that this week, he'd tell you he's missed so many opportunities he can't see straight. He wishes he could maybe go back, whatever. And listen, it's not about the things that we've missed. It's about what's coming. We can be a part of the kingdom of God in the days ahead to get to see God move. We have no idea what God is doing in the hearts of people, cultivating their ground, the grounds of their hearts that maybe all we have to do is just have a very simple conversation that might lead to just something absolutely great for the kingdom. We are called to love a people, and we're called to love a city. You may say, I don't live in this city. That's okay. Wherever you live, whatever city, whatever community you live in, I'm, I'm telling you, you're called to love it. You, you've been put there for a reason. You may say, there's not a whole lot going on in the community I live in. That's okay. It's one of the beauties of getting to be a part of a body is that we do not do this alone because we can't. We can't fulfill the call that God has given us alone. But we can together. And man, it is a glorious thing when God takes all kinds of people from all kinds of walks of life and He puts them together and He uses them for His glory. And I love it. I love it. I want us to do this. I want us to take a, a couple of minutes and I want us to pray for our church if we can do that. And when I say for our church, I'm talking about for the people, okay? The people of our church. I want us to pray that God would use us on the mission in which He has called us to. If you would, just bow your heads with me. And I'm actually just going to, I want to give you a minute to just on your own, even right now, just pray. And, and, if, and if this, listen, if this isn't your church home and you've got another church home, pray, pray for your church. Pray for the church that God is calling you to to be a part of right now. I just want to give you a minute. Pray, pray that God would use your church. Pray, pray that he would use our church for his kingdom, that others may come to know Christ, that we might be the light that we're called to be, that we would love others, love all people that God puts in front of us. Pray now.